Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. What we set out to do was create a familiar, relaxed, and inclusive environment so that we could create advocacy both for us, the brand, and the greater community of Somerville. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. It's a special edition of the Cannamom Show where we are still crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers, one can of story at a time. Dave, where we are today, look at us. We're not in the Tip O'Neill Studios anymore, Dorothy. <laughs> where are we? I was just thinking <laughs> that today we are having a very special show recorded live at the Goods Dispensary right here in Davis Square, Somerville, Massachusetts. The Goods Davis Square is one of a kind recreational dispensary. The crowd is on their feet. They are. There's many people here. And my local dispensary. And today we'll be speaking with the co-founders and maybe a few customers and even a bud tender or two to find out what it's like to work here and why this place is so special. But before we jump in, we have to a little chit-chat. So today is actually the beginning of 420 week, which is separate. But here in Massachusetts, it's a big anniversary, Dave, right? Sure, of course. This is weird looking you look like straight your in eyes. person. This is what's the last time I've even seen you in person? Now that I think about it. March it, of twenty twenty. You haven't aged a day. You look good too, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so today is, if you want to share with our audience. 
Yes, today is, well, today is not 420. No, no, today is the Boston Marathon, oh, to, yeah. Oh, today, sorry. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> today is the Boston Marathon, yes. Yeah, although we are, I, I should have said something, we are recording this live, so it is 420 week, but we're going to be releasing this closer to my birthday because I'm taking that day off, but we're doing it live here today. today. Yep, yeah, so uh, I'm in Boston, we talk about that all the time, and I am a marathon supporter. It was like a holiday. We went every single year with my children, and 10 years ago today, yeah. It's the famous the marathon bombing, which is really, I think everybody I know has some sort of story connected to it. I have mine. You want to do yours first. Where were you? So we go every year. We had friends in Brookline. We just, you know, we, the whole day with the kids. It was every year we did it. And um, this is the first year my daughter, who was 11 and did not have a phone yet because she was 11, was a, with another friend. And her friend and her were actually near the, the line when it happened, really? which was kind of scary. But we were in Brookline and we didn't know what was going on. You know? But did you hear from them? To make sure they're okay. Uh, you know. After a long time. And then it, oh, after boy. that, we were going to get her a cell phone because we thought my, that might have helped. <laughs> so some good came out of it. But the already is, <laughs> do you remember that whole week they shut it down because they had the Sarna brothers? And so it was a Friday that we were oh, supposed yeah. to get the phone. And I told Bridget, sorry, the whole world is shut down. So we actually can't get you a cell phone. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was, it's wild to look back on that. That was the original lockdown. It's like we in Boston were prepared for the pandemic because for a week, mm-hmm. everyone stayed indoors while they were hunting the bad guys down, right? It was very weird. And we yeah. did it. We were very obedient. Yeah, where were you? I was. I went to the Sox game. Oh, you were at the Sox yep. game? Wow. Red Sox won on a walk-off. Pedroia scored the winning run. It was a beautiful day. Remember how beautiful day it was? Beautiful day. Yeah. I get, of course, I get reminded on Facebook of the, like me with the friends at the Red Sox every year. And it's always chilling to look at the picture of how happy we were. And then I walked up. Someone I knew had an office on Boston Street, and I was going to stop by her party. So I was walking up. Mm. I only got as far as a uh, little past Kenmore Square, and I just noticed something was off. Like, r- the runners were stopping. Like, right. and, and, like, I saw a mom wave her teenage kid who was running over, and, he, she's, he, and he's like, Mom, what? She's like, stop. You have to stop. And then I, I called home. I got my wife, and I said, did something just happen? She goes, yes, you didn't hear? I go, no. So I headed home. But... Yeah, I was like a half mile from it, and just and constant know, reminders of it. So my daughter said what she heard is when they were walking away, so they're actually walking away from it. Well, she was with an adult, and it just they heard it, and then the adult brought them to a, I think it was a restaurant, and remember the TV were just literally showing it live. Yeah. So all the kids were just sort of standing there watching it sort of in days. They didn't know what to do. I mean, she was yeah. 11, so that was sort of her memory. But, yeah, it was a lot. But, you know, we rallied, and then... It's strange how small a city this is, because I think, I'm, con- you know, how many connections? You've had so many connections to these people. Yeah. I actually spent a short while in finance, and I just sort of happened into this. Uh, when a lot of the survivors got gifts from the, the one fund, right. the ones that had lost a limb, they were looking for financial advisors to tell them what to do with this money. And so I got introduced to a few of them. So I met Adrian Hazlitt Davis. She was the one who was a dancer and, right. you know, lost a leg. And several others. And... Just lovely people, and just they're part. They're now part of this club they never wanted to be part of, right? So, but yeah, every year it rolls around. It's it, it's impossible not to think about that. It's but it hasn't lost its luster. It's still an amazing day, and it is the beginning of four twenty weeks. So that's a nice connection. Yeah, because <laughs> everything in my life goes back to it. cannabis. All right, <laughs> all right. So we are here with guests. So let's just introduce them. Mm. And I always say, I only talk to women in the industry. I'm surprised there are men, but these are two men in the industry I'm going to introduce you to. So listen closely, ladies. All right? All right, today we have two. 
Alex DeGroote. He is the co-founder of The Goods. Alex spent most of his career in real estate, helping to build the Redfin brand and Northeast operations. Alex oversees The Goods arts and community initiatives, which helped get me here today, and can often be found rearranging display products or dreaming up a better pre-roll display. He is the father of two and feels extremely lucky to have a wife who has put up with him through this crazy, <laughs> crazy process. And Chris Vining is the co-founder of The Goods. He has previously had a career in biomedical devices and software and is a member of the second social equity cohort. He is the resident regulatory and paperwork whiz, and we know there's a lot of regulations in cannabis. He also oversees all the complex financial management and planning that goes into building a successful business in dispensary. Chris is newly married and also feels extremely lucky to have somebody who supported him in this three-plus-year journey. Please welcome to the special recording of the Cannon Mom Show, Alex and Chris. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's just, start, let's just start in the beginning. Let's, Chris. Yes. Here you are. You're Got a businessman. You're doing all these financial things. Here you are in cannabis. What is your cannabis journey? How did you actually end up in this spot? Yeah. Um, interesting uh, story. Alex and I have some mutual friends and got put together at kind of a, by happenstance, uh, found ourselves very much aligned in terms of the way that we thought a, a cannabis business could be run. Um, and did you just start with your like cannabis story? So I often talk with women. Most of the women I talk to have healed themselves or mm -hmm. healed someone they love through this journey, or they were using it for issues that they didn't recognize were actually. So were you a cannabis user? Or I've also met women who are in charge of their like their day program. So I've seen both extremes. So were you either of those? <laughs> um, at the very beginning of this journey, I wasn't a, much of a cannabis user at all. I mm -hmm. saw the industry coming online. It was, it was something that has touched all of our lives. And then the ability for cannabis to be you know, positive in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Knew that I wanted to make a change and, and start a business. Okay. Uh, that was something that was uh, top of mind for me at that time. And were you uh, from this area? This yeah, you? I grew okay. up in Andover. Okay. Um, I've lived in Somerville for about five years now. Okay. Uh, met Alex through kind of investigating what types of businesses to okay. start in the cannabis industry. Found ourselves very much aligned. Throughout the journey, I've become a yeah. full cannabis user. Okay. Uh, no <laughs> alcohol, all okay. cannabis. Um, so you had the transformation. So I did. Okay. It's great. It's yeah. okay, okay. So I know. Let's just start. And Alex, I know your story is a bit different. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> <laughs> little, little different we for need, sure. We need the yin and yang in this industry. Again, it is everybody, it is everything, and we were told a pretty bad story, so you got, you have your own journey with this. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, my journey with cannabis was that I was a user from well before you probably should ever be one. <laughs> it was always sort of probably a big part of my culture and identity, that being just somebody who was very into music, uh, mm -hmm. very into going out, being a, a, a sort of a fun-loving person. And also so, a New Englander or a Massachusetts person, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. born and raised in Marshville. Vegas, the Irish Riviera, shout out, um, and spent spent uh, most of my formative years driving around the South Shore dodging cops with, uh, with a bag of weed in my pocket at most times. So again, I've been a user... All, all of my adult life, probably so, pretty casual, not not all the time. And like Chris, I since being sort of full blown in the industry, I'm much less of a drinker than I ever was. I definitely think it's a great I, I, substitution. And I hear that across the board with the bombs and things. All right, so you kind of came to this different angles. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, so you were doing real estate, and you were yeah. I was doing, in a startup background, really. Okay. I was a working startup, for okay. Redfin, so I had worked as a, as a as a real estate executive for a lot of years. I'm a broker in a number of states, and so I'd spent a long time in and around what I would just consider a high touch customer service industry. Yeah. Um, and after spending 20 some odd years in it, I think I was just ready for a change. I think Although I, cannabis is really real estate, a lot yeah, of it. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, frankly, that's, that's yeah. why Chris's and I partnership sort of came about as well, because people understood that we were people who would, somebody just wandered into our podcast <laughs> instead of into our shop. 
I like an audience. I, I, sometimes we do it live with an audience. <laughs> but carting yuppies around and selling them overpriced homes had sort of gotten a little old for me. Okay. Um, and sort of managing businesses was always what I enjoyed. So okay. I, And this is I, a business to manage. Yep. And, <laughs> and, and I just saw it as a great you know potential. I just think there's an enormous... Anytime an industry is new and emerging, there's just so much fun to be had. This, this industry is still in its nation stages. Oh, yeah. We're like germinating. Yep. And, yeah. and that's really, from my experience, when the most fun is found in these things, when, okay. when everybody is sort of, there's the camaraderie that still exists in this industry, okay. so that like we really do look at all of our competitors as really as our compatriots. Well, um, that again, doesn't, I, that doesn't I, exist I, most places. Okay. <laughs> where, in theory, we should all be serving the consumer. That's kind of where I come from. That's my angle. But let's just talk about the good. This is a pretty unique space here. You guys met yeah. together. Like, who, When you were envisioning this, was this the neighborhood you were thinking of? Were, yeah. like, how did this kind of come to be? So the, the way that it came to be was that Alex and I decided to chart a course to be entrepreneurs in cannabis, and the, the license type that we went after was retail, obviously, okay. and that the next step in the process is find, you know, identify uh, municipalities that right. are releasing adult use. And what year did you start? What year did you start? We started on? in 2019. Okay, and it's 2023 people, just yes. remember. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we found ourselves you know, looking for properties in multiple okay. towns and cities throughout Massachusetts. And Alex's background must have helped with that. Absolutely. Yeah. That was yeah. that. You need core competencies. It's a very important mm-hmm. part of this that people don't. If we both had the same background, it wouldn't work. Right. We need to be different people because there's so much to do. There's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of deliverable. And, and like I said, it's over process. and over again. It's all specialized. Everything that the real world has, we have, but it's upside down and everything's specialized. So everything that you're doing from marketing, which we can get into, finding real estate, it's a host agreement. You have to hold on to your property and pay rent for years before you can even get... Anyways, two and a half. Two and a half, yes. Two and a half. Yeah, so this is a very capital-intensive, strange process that you guys were kind of learning as you're going through. You were early. Yeah, getting into this. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we, we were meeting with you know brokers, and uh, the, we really thought that the best way forward was to directly deal with landlords. We okay. were able to, to meet the landlords of this building, the Gorin building. Okay. Uh, this was a... Uh, and actually, so people don't know, we're right in the center of Davis Square. Like, I go to a lot of dispensaries. Sometimes they're like over a river between a woods, underneath a bridge, like, so you can't find it. This is right in the center. Can you want to describe, I don't know, you want to describe the neighborhood and where we are? Yeah, I, I mean, everybody knows Davis Square as being home of the Burren and the Somerville Theater, and it's just a lively cultural center place for Massachusetts for a very long time, and very specifically so in the last 10 years. So we were just extremely lucky to find a great landlord in an amazing space, right smack dab in the center of it. We are two doors down from the Burren, right next to Foundry. Below us is Saloon, which is a fantastic sort of speakeasy-style bar. So this is just a place where lots of things are happening. And right on the red line. Around, and right on the red line uh, and very easy to reach by bus and very close to Cambridge so we really have just a great sort of uh, and near uh, Tufts. real estate footprint yeah, yeah very much near Tufts <laughs> all right so you're I mean again so you're not in some place that's hard to find you're very no, accessible that, and there's a very this is kind of a unique spot right? no yeah, it, yeah. It, you're absolutely right and m- many of these places are and because of the municipalities and the way that they wanted to set up where they put things off in sort of corners of cities Somerville was uh, smart and and really we were very lucky in that they embraced that we could put these in the middle of the businesses okay so you on Main Street is really what we would yeah. say is and we're in the center of what is the central business district of all of Somerville so so, is that like, so when you were looking for real estate I mean was this an original idea going to be in Somerville do you think in the burbs like what did you think would actually like what how did this evolve well, what we thought was yes. that we wanted to be in a high traffic okay. area we weren't going mm-hmm. for a dispensary in an industrial zone we knew yeah. that we, we we had the we, we didn't have this whole vision at the beginning right we had the vision of putting it in this type of locale right. okay. because we are big advocates and we 
were fortunate to speak to a lot of people about the industry and understand that it was the right time to put this type of business in this type of locale. Mm -hmm. These businesses need to be supported. They need to be supported by traditional retail metrics. And we think that we're a great platform for more of these and more areas of Massachusetts, cities and suburban. Suburban dispensaries need to be in the main shopping complexes or... People aren't going to go there. Right. I, again, um, this is a very strange industry that has a lot of restrictions on it. And if you just make one more restriction that makes it hard to find on top of everything else, it's just, it's unfortunate. So, all right. So you guys were looking around. Yeah, we're around also both Somerville guys. So, yeah, yeah, so I, you I, like, I've came, been here since 2007. Okay. So again, so, so Somerville, yeah. I will say is a pretty progressive government. They do right. have a mayor, but they do have a lot of urban policies. They're right in the middle of like MIT and, Summer, and Tufts who have really great urban policy programs. So they have some really interesting stuff going on. So what was your relationship when you approach them, like how did that work? Well, so let's. So in February of 2019, Somerville released an ordinance with an application process. It's a normal, okay. Yep, and we submitted an application to that process, and then we were we were yeah. actually in phase two. So in April of 2019, phase one applicants submitted their applications. Okay. They received word. So we're talking April 2019. They received word in I think December of 2019, mm-hmm. and then we received word in September October of 2020 that we were going to be awarded. Okay, and would they treat, so again, in the beginning I've been using this, I feel like cannabis years like dog years. I've been doing this for a while, and I remember at some point Northampton, I think, or Amherst, one of the, or one of the cities out west, they were like just treating it like you just put in your application, it wasn't crazy, they didn't make, make you pretend it was plutonium, you put it in like you're going to open up any kind of normal business, and they kind of went through it. And then you got it. Was that kind of was a Somerville, or did they have some sort of hoops and loops? And in, in some ways, yes. In some ways, yeah. no. Uh, development in a in a city like Somerville that is yeah. so densely populated is more complicated than it is in Northampton, right. just by the nature of the two municipalities. Space, right, exactly. Somerville was a great host community, and is yeah. okay. continues to be a great host community. We have we were we got clear direction. And okay, a clear direction. Okay. Something that was important to us throughout the process was that we were going to wait. You know, mm-hmm. you'll. We're, we're going to lend ourselves to the process and, and let it play out. And I think that yeah. that's an important component of yeah. being a successful cannabis entrepreneur. And especially, again, you guys are pioneers. This is Massachusetts. We had medical for a while that just had seed to sale. So they had sort of a glitch to that vertical. vertical. So they were just in that space and they were there. And then we had retail. So there have been some glitches. I live in Cambridge. I know there's been some other issues going on there. But just how do you set up a successful retail business when you already have companies who are embedded at a different level so you guys are coming in at a retail level i mean real retail so yeah, you're not I mean, grow, you don't you don't grow your own products you know, you're, you're bringing everything. Yeah, okay yeah, our location has an, was an enormous driver for us i mean right. we just knew we had this incredible space and we were in this incredible neighborhood and that if we could just capture a little bit of the energy that's down here that already exists and some already established amazing businesses here that if we could somehow channel some of that and bring that sort of vibe that sort of experience into a cannabis store in ways that we feel like we maybe hadn't seen in other places and again a lot of places were stuck into strange locations small locations we had a 4800 square foot space here to work with yeah and it was really a blank canvas and so we were able to sort of take what we thought is a better way of doing it and bring it into a place that had enough space so let, yeah, it was so also I, I, street level in davis square so it's like we, we just have a great platform to sort of put forth our you know thoughts and our sort of dreams uh, so let's just talk canvas. about what this place is unique so again i go to a lot of dispensaries that people yes, follow me do. on instagram yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of different ways that these things can be set up yeah. yours is pretty unique so just 
even like starting with the entrance area, a lot of times you walk in, it's a tight little space, just sort of how you designed it and what it actually looks like once you get inside and how you are helped and how, I say this to my friends, you know, this is laid out by what issues you're dealing with, like and not just products. So there's a different way to actually do the business part. So I just want to talk about how you laid it out and what it looks like. Yeah, so okay. we wanted to, we, so after, once we, were, let's just fast forward Yeah, a there's bit. a lot of steps in yeah. between 2000, yeah. I just, the, the minutia would be, yeah. so make you crazy. Once, <laughs> once we were moving forward and, just, and were was in earnest uh, designing the store, yeah. what we set out to do was create a familiar, relaxed, and inclusive environment mm-hmm. so that we could create advocacy both for us the brands okay. and the greater community of Somerville. Okay. And I think that's, we've delivered on, on that kind of mission to give some kind of reference. When you walk into our store, we want well, you Well, even to, it's a storefront. Yeah. So you can, even like when you walk by it, it blends right in and you actually do it. So you're connected to different agencies every month? Or how does that work? Yeah. So we, we, again, because we were street facing and we're in a, a, a large sort of uh, retail spot on, on Main Street, uh, Somerville, that we had these great picture windows, these large They're picture windows. They're very big, yeah. yeah. And you can't, because of CCC regulations, see directly into any dispensary. They don't no, want them to the product. No light. Yeah, <laughs> right. Then that, that is often why these places are hard to light. Uh, so there just can't be any direct sight from the street and right. so we had to put up something in front of those and so uh, the idea from the beginning was well we have these great windows let's turn these into galleries uh, and that was the sort of original idea okay. Chris like any good uh, business I think you always need a partner that like you said is the yin and the yeah, yang exactly, right? yeah. I say he's the steak I'm the sizzle yeah. uh, so, uh, <laughs> so but it's that I, I was the sort of artsy guy yeah, and Chris yeah. is, 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 is a process guy and yeah. so you need both of that because mm-hmm. it's hard to be both of those oh, things you can't be so, everything yeah. so our vision was let's let's do a real big arts embrace here okay, Somerville has got one of the largest arts Oh, they got some great, and they got the Art yeah. Fest, and they got yeah, all the Open Studios is one of the mm-hmm. largest in the entire country. There's 600 independent studios throughout the city, and yeah. so I'd always participated in that. I'd always been a part of the Somerville Arts community, and so we thought, oh, this is great. We can put art in these windows, and you know, what happened is over time, it just sort of morphed, and like any sort of, I would think, successful business, it is, you start with an idea, and then once you get into it, it actually totally shifts, and mm-hmm. organically, it, what, what happened was we met these organizations as we were going about to introduce ourselves to the city of Somerville, we started meeting all of our local organizations. CAST was one of the first ones. Uh, that's Community Action Association of Somerville. Uh, Community Action Agency of agency Somerville. Okay. And they were running Chamber a show. Commerce as well. Yeah. yeah. And they were running a show at the Armory about Evicted, which is a, a nationally sort of touring show about the process and the effects of evictions on communities. Right. And since meeting one of their great founders, David Gibb, we were able to put the posters of that show in our front windows. More exposure. Yeah, to try yeah. to expose that show to that. And from that really germinated the idea. Chris really has, uh, had a lot of this, too. Uh, is let's take one of our windows and just designate it to community organizations. Okay. And once we thought about that, we thought, you know what, let's really go for our local organizations. So instead local of working so with, important. like, national, yeah, exactly. you know, or even working with Massachusetts, we thought, let's start mm-hmm. right here in Somerville. Great. Right. And start reaching out and meeting these people. And the nice thing about that is they all know each other. Oh, yeah. So once you Not, meet one, you're yeah. kind of introduced to all the rest of them. Yep. And we thought, let's take our windows and make those spotlights for community orgs that don't necessarily get uh, all of these platforms for people to do it. And again, we've got literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people walking by our doors every day. And so we started a program where we started putting these community organizations in our window. And we do it in a creative way. We put up posters. We try to get across information. We try to have impact. I thought I could do the podcast there, but it's too tight. But with the Homeless Coalition was really our first one, and they're actually our upstairs neighbors here right. at the Goods. And we put somebody, we put sort of a dummy person in a sleeping bag in the oh, front yeah. window. 
uh, and a lot of pictures up. And so we've been trying to do something that is. Oh, impactful. that's where that rumor. Someone told yeah. me there was someone really sleeping. I'm like, that yeah. can't yeah, be. Yeah, people awesome. actually thought that yeah. those were cold mornings, and yeah. people were walking by the store thinking that somebody was actually sleeping in our. All right, that rumor is out there, people. Oh, <laughs> I have a question. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, what is the rationale for the law that you can't see into a dispensary? That seems if, odd. If, I think it really is just based on they don't want people wandering by to be able to look in there because it'd be a danger thing. I think maybe protecting it's a the children. <laughs> We're always so protecting the children. Weird paternalistic yes. thing yes. remnant. And, and you yeah. have to remember that like this this industry has been built out of whole cloth, right? They, 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 none of this has existed before this, and so you have. What is ultimately a group of people deciding how to release an industry, and because of that, you have the input of all of the different departments of government, and so all the different departments basically get to take a swing of the axe at <laughs> regulations, and so and that's not a bad thing. You know, you need diverse voices and lots of people with lots of considerations for this stuff. So when we talk about like the industry being highly regulated, it is because it's a group decision process around how to do this and so one of those things was going to be again probably Department of Health or people working in the buildings departments just saying we don't want to have it the danger aspect again if you could just see in maybe for robberies that would be easier and then second maybe we just don't want young people to be able to wander by Mm -hmm. and see what it is and so what it does is it creates a a barrier or not even a barrier it just creates an impediment to what you can design but that requires creativity so in many ways that allowed us to create all of that so it's so we haven't even gotten into the building. Okay, so right. again, I say this a lot. I mean, dispensers are coming in trying to be really, really good neighbors. So they're doing lots of things for their communities that maybe a shoe store isn't required to do or a liquor store. No one else is required to do it. But, you know, you're coming in with your host agreement and you just have – you want to be good neighbors. So that's where you are. So the front is really the part. So you walk in and there's an entranceway that could be teeny tiny or could be big. Yeah, You've chosen often, to make it larger. Yeah, yeah, often they are made so that they're what are called man traps. And so they're just yeah, sort that's of what they made, feel like. Right. And, so they're, they're, and again, it was a safety concern. We didn't have to necessarily do that. Yeah. And so when we submitted our design, we were able to say, look, we can do we can be just as safe by not having this, what I, what I think is we think is a really terrible first entrance to a place. It makes you feel like uh, maybe... Doing something wrong. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe this is not right. But, so. but again, you, I, I, I kind of joke how many times you have to show your ID when you come into a dispensary. So I, don't, I actually haven't been to that many in other states. Do other states have the man trap? Is that a thing? Yes and no. Yes, yes and, and no. no. Okay. Yeah. Um, we were fortunate to tour other dispensaries throughout the country. I go visit. My wife uh, is from Wisconsin, so the Illinois oh. dispensaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some remnants. It's it's very in, very interesting industry in the way that these things are designed. That we see some that are still kind of in the medical vein, right? Um, but now we're starting to see some that I think are, More, are better designed. Again, I, I've talked to designers, professional designers in New York, and I, we have this weird thing about extreme states' rights now yeah. going on. Yet every state seems to have adopted the bad rules from the past state. Like, what is going on? Well, they look to each other, right? Yeah. They do look but, to each other, but they think they're so independent. Decisions. I don't know. Okay, yeah. all right. So we come in. So you walk in. It's actually a nice, open, large space. Yeah, where a large you know, lobby. We've got um, actually uh, billboards, billboard, and, you know, visuals I mean, visual, of yeah, the yeah. Gorin's building and the Somerville Theater, as well as bike racks that we had to put in. Uh, that was a Somerville requirement was to have okay. bike racks. And the, the train schedule? Yeah, don't that forget are... the train schedule. We get as many comments about having the train schedule. As part of the mobility department's influence <laughs> on the HCA process, they are required a couple of things that, that, that are, I think, unique to Somerville. So that's, so that's a requirement in the Somerville yeah, dispensary? That, that was a requirement as well as the bike storage, as well as the fact that we reimburse all of our employees for their MBTA. So we actually give them all Charlie cards. And so everybody who works here gets their Charlie cards completely covered for the entire year. And that's to really just promote people getting here by public transport or by foot. And I would say 90% of our employees get here using public transport. So that's a real win. And that screen, which is just a 
URL that comes from the MBTA, and I always say this out, shout out to the MBTA, they were incredibly easy to work with. I think okay. that's probably the only time that's ever been said. <laughs> and, Everything's moving so slow, they got time. Have you been on the train? It's like, I yeah. better walk faster. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that screen that just really flashes the changing of the trains and when they're coming and how many, we, we realize it takes about six minutes uh, to get from here to the into the train successfully. Yeah. <laughs> we get so many comments from people saying, that's so cool, how do you do that? And it's like something that literally every business could do. It's really I know, but you only cannabis is required to? Yes. And here, but here's what I'll say about I think that it's really well received in our store because it was intentionally and integrated into the design of our store. Right. And, and that's something that you'll see throughout your experience in the goods that we're trying to be intentional throughout the process. And so that's why this room that we're sitting in, that's we're, we're still in the lobby already. <laughs> we haven't um, moved very far. We got from the outside to the inside lobby. <laughs> so you get checked in by one of our friendly staff, and then you'll see the community room where we're sitting right now, which was really important for us to keep in the front of house because we wanted it to be this place that didn't require you to be right. inside the store. And you've had events. I know you did the events with uh, din- Mary's Dinner. or Yeah, we've had a dinner number. Dinner Mary's, so yeah. You we've did been some trying events, to yeah. really program this place, and this is one of those things, obviously. And because we have this great room and we have this space because we were lucky enough to have a large enough space. A lot 250 of square feet, by the way. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people use this for your meeting space. So the Somerville Homeless Coalition will be in here almost weekly, okay. two to three hour long meetings. And it's just a comfortable space for any community organization or any organization, really. Come in, meet us. If you wanted to do a meeting here, we are happy to. We love to see this place alive. Yeah. Right now, it's also hung with a new show. We have a art show up here. This is actually one of our bud tenders That's who great. did all this. He's an illustrator. He's extremely talented. And so the, the show you're seeing right now is, 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 again, is one of our own. So we use it for art shows. We use it for cooking shows. That yeah, was uh, yeah, dinner, dinner Mary. Sam, who's that. great, yep. he's a friend of both of ours. I know. We had a local college do a focus group in here this morning. Oh, yeah, yeah it's on Davis Square. Yeah, about oh, Davis on Davis Square. Square. Oh, that's an intro. Again, so again, other businesses are not doing this. They are not creating human spaces. Like we haven't even entered the dispensary yet, and think of all the stuff there is to do. All right, so you come in. There's a space here. You can do that, and then you actually walk through a double door, and then you walk into your dispensary. And then what does it look like when you get in there? It looks like a Bud Bar. You'll see our <laughs> Bud Bar that we worked very uh, closely with our state compliance. Is this a Bud Bar for people who don't know? It <laughs> is live product in tethered pods that you can handle and sniff to get a better sense of the product before you purchase it, which is something that you'll see throughout our store. We've which is just, nice because, again, when like we're buying, it's a plant. She looks different. She smells differently, and different products maybe influence not just what it says on the outside, how it actually looks. So this is a nice addition. I mean, after COVID, they weren't letting people do deli yeah. style. That's another thing. But there's been some different changes, yeah, we right? Talk, I mean, deli style is something yeah. that's interesting, but I, okay. I don't think that it's it's for us at this moment. We really want to figure out how to you know, handle customers in the way that they want to be handled and engage on their terms. Mm-hmm. So that's what you'll see in our store. You can come in. You're, you're welcome to browse. So and, how many, and how many different varieties do you have out there? You have a lot of different... Well, we started with 56. 56 buds. <laughs> 50 different, like, okay. Many. Yeah. Okay, right lot. now, we have about 26 because you, have to, you have to take this in and out every night. You can't just Absolutely. leave it out. Okay. Absolutely. We figured out an efficient way to mm-hmm. uh, get it in and out of the vault every night. And then, but once you're on the sales floor, what you can do is you can browse, you can speak to one of our helpful staff. And they walk around with you. It's not just the bud tender behind the behind something. They can yeah, actually yeah. get on the floor and they walk around and can talk to you. Yeah. There's some secret sauce okay. that uh, we're <laughs> kind of uh, working with for okay. the staff and kind of the design of the store that I think are, are we haven't dialed in all the way yet, but okay. I, I think that they're, it's a real change and, okay. and a real vibe. Uh, and then, and then just how, it, and then how it's set up again, because there's yeah. a lot of flowers, a lot of things. But again, my friends who talk to me, they want help sleeping. Yep. They have some pain. 
I don't know, women's products as well, but just how it's set up and yeah. how does it look and how you have like different, they're all Massachusetts, obviously there's no interstate commerce, but how you find your products and what do you Yeah, display? so one of the things was is that we went out to the West Coast uh, states and toured some places and they okay. have a different way of handling the product as well as like display. And what so, are they, actually, what are they, what well, are they doing in the West? In, in, particularly in the Bay Area, you can walk into a store and pick up things off of a shelf, like in a side. store. Um, oh, really? Like yeah. a real like yeah. a real store? Like, like an actual <laughs> yeah. store. And we thought, well, this is a really great way to shop, right? Because it just lends itself to A, picking things up. There's a tactile nature to just shopping that's sort of lost when you're behind a counter. Right. And so we really thought, is there any way to bring this back here. We didn't know if there was. Regulations do not allow you to do that here in Massachusetts, but we mm-hmm. thought, is there a way to bring that sort of, you know, what I would call real store shopping back to uh, Massachusetts and create that kind of environment? And so okay. we, we use that as our sort of central idea is how do we bring products onto the floor to make it look and feel more like a store, which makes it an easier thing for people to interact with mm-hmm. and makes you more comfortable. From that, it really created, well, okay, you can't just walk into our store and wander through it and just go up to a counter and talk to somebody, we really need you to talk with somebody with the product and standing over and next to the product. And so the next part of that growth had to do with, again, let's put all the products on dummy on the the shelves. And then from there, let's be consultative. Let's be customer service. That's a a nice way. Yeah. Yeah. Again, engaging. And again, I'm going to talk a lot consumers. So I talk a lot about women my age and older. We have talked about this who come into these places and definitely don't even know what to start with. So I I really like that you you went there because... You think about that consumer, and there's a lot of products in the menu, and it's confusing. But I, I think what we really want to do is dial it into how do you want to feel, mm-hmm. and how do you want to get there. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at a specified portion of the menu. So you've taken 300 SKUs, and you've maybe brought it down to 5 or 10. Right. And that people will feel better about their purchase if they kind of have a little bit of education going into it. And that's why we brought this type of model to Massachusetts, which mm-hmm. wasn't doing it for a number of different reasons, right. um, one of which being square footage. Yeah, square okay. footage, we are very fortunate. You have a lot, and I've been to a lot of smaller dispensaries, so it is difficult to get that kind of display yeah. space. Yeah, and it allows us the opportunity to let the customer browse on their own because mm-hmm. we don't have a con- contained area that you're going to be bumping into people. If you if you want to walk around our sales floor, we encourage it. We want you to love the products that you're mm-hmm. buying. We think that we're being successful in terms... And, and they're all labeled exactly as... They, they like really have all the many, 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 yeah. many, many labels. <laughs> yeah. Labels. That's a, that could be a whole podcast. <laughs> but, but again, like there's a lot of information on these, on these little packaging. So that's another thing that you have to deal with and have informed people who are working with the patients or dosage yeah anything that you have to people look have more than twice to look for dosage people is have a lot yeah of questions as well yeah. you should this is a new product and there's still again we're still under a stigma we're still existing in a time when i would say a quarter of the people walking through our door on any given basis are, might be the first time in a dispensary or they've only been into one or two and they really are full of questions around stuff because yep. over serving yourself overdosing yourself is not comfortable yep. uh, and yep. that, that no. is that is no especially with edibles yep. and so, so yeah so let's, really let's, helping get, people let's get to like what what are people looking for again everyone comes to me that no one wants to smoke anymore it's a whole yeah. stigma so what are people coming to you and looking for really your customer base here you know our, our sales really break down probably the same as a lot of people and if you look at the the figures it's mainly flour flour yep. right behind that is edibles right okay. it's close second is edibles. And, and what are the favorite edibles are they still gummies or chocolates or yeah i, I, I mean they there's a not a lot of options. I mean, yeah. there's not. A, that's something that is interesting to us. Well, you I do mean, have a hot sauce, and you do have. Well, that's not like a savory, but yeah. yeah. The, the Epicurious, as we would call it, is not as 
popular as we would hope it to be. We really mm-hmm. do want to push people into yeah. trying more of these things because it's a great way to interact with the with the plant. But you know, the, the 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 fact of the matter is is that there's a lot of different choices. But most people are looking for something that is comfortable, yeah. that is easy, and is familiar. And yeah. I think that we could talk about why the the broader selection of mm-hmm. products is limited. Yeah. Um, I think that, that it goes down to people are doing what's being done in other states. Right. And at this kind of weird time in the cannabis industry, I think it's hard to, to really invest into something new that's unproven. Mm-hmm. We hope to be a kind of a store that can, can launch those types of products. And then if there are people listening that have new or exciting products, we want to be a launching pad for those. And a lot of them are women-owned businesses or social equity businesses. So I'm hopeful that in the next 6, 12, 18 months, we'll start to see some of those newer products that you're, you're yeah, talking yeah. about. But you know, at this moment in time, we're selling the standard stuff. Yeah. It's all great. Our product vendors are doing an amazing job. And you have some great, again, like they're Massachusetts, but again, there's a lot of Massachusetts products. You have to choose things. So again, so my big issue with flour specifically, and I think is the high THC thing. Mm-hmm. And my pushback is, why are you doing this? And they're saying that's what customers are asking for, but I think that's what customers know about. So, like, what are you doing to sort of improve that customer experience and to make sure that customers are driving this conversation, but they really, I don't know, I guess have a better sense of what they're asking for. The, yeah. the staff. The staff. Oh, really? The staff. The staff. The staff. Oh, tell it's, me about this. Okay, the yeah. consultative process is exactly that. So okay. Because we really get to stand over uh, the product talk to people about the product we can really get a lot of that feedback and so in mm-hmm. our store we certainly have the high testing stuff mm-hmm. but we're all personally fans of stuff that runs the whole spectrum right so we try to carry a lot because again because of our where we are because we are in such a culturally food drink intensive area mm-hmm. we knew our selection had to be incredible because our audience is incredibly well informed and they're also incredibly uh, experimental and curious about it and mm-hmm. so we have really tried to curate our menus to make sure that we are sort of capturing it all okay. but you know one of the biggest things for us and we, we sort of skipped over this is when we designed this store we very specifically did two things one hired a female designer okay and two worked okay. with a female design company who did all of this design for us that's deb english she is uh, a absolute legend in the world of design okay whole foods anthropology things okay, like okay, this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and gabby rossi big shout out to gabby yeah Gab- who is 25 years at whole foods building stores but we thought oh know, i love that because yeah. again i say whatever it is you do in the world you should bring it to cannabis so yeah. uh yeah. it's what, such a bringing traditional see, that's yeah, that, yeah. You, you just hit on a great yeah yeah great note we want to bring as much traditional aspects in terms of retail into cannabis because that's what cannabis deserves and that's what the consumer deserves. Right. And we, we were big believers on that for a long time. And that's you're seeing the, the, the efforts of a great team of individuals that helped us build this. So, the, so were there surprises? Were there things that they said, this is what you should be doing that maybe hadn't occurred to you? Or there ideas that you gave them that they're like, no, that's not what we want to do? Or I don't know. And were they, like, again, this is a unique uh, experience. This. Yeah. Chris and I, from the beginning, we, we have a thing in common. We tend to listen to people who know more about stuff than it's we do. It's an interesting way to deal with the world. <laughs> which, uh, that's an which interesting maybe. leadership skill, Alex. I don't know. <laughs> so you know, that, what we did is we really <laughs> listened to the people who knew what they were talking about. And when right. it came to this, we were we said, here's our vision. And, and they gave us back a vision. And we, we didn't tweak too, too much of it. But, you know, the, the big part of it was we want you to walk through our door and have this place feel comfortable, to feel like you're in some place where you're not doing something wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then not only that is to then hit you over the head with great customer service. And so come in, feel comfortable, feel like this is the place you're supposed to be, and then have somebody really work with you to help you make this decision. So we gave that sort of basic vision to them, and they gave us this store. And the color schemes and just the design itself was always meant to be soft and inviting. It's very well lit. We never like the places you go into. It's too dark. The music is not loud. Not loud. Um, it's not loud. That was a big one for Chris. Not loud. Please yeah, not have loud these, music. Like, you go down in some of these stores. And it's obnoxious how loud they are. I can't hear myself think. But again, like a lot of people are coming in because they have anxiety yeah. and they have maybe yeah. social interaction issues. And to yeah. walk into a dispensary that's loud and uncomfortable, they're not going to get what they need. I'm yeah. not, I, there's something that as we're touring dispensaries and thinking about how we wanted to build the store, I really, and we're, we're not even all the way there yet, but we really want to set the terms of engagement on the consumer. Right. How do you want to shop today? Right. Do you want a mobile order? Great. We've got a special section of the store so you can get it in and out as quickly as possible do you want to talk to somebody great we have somebody available for you do you want to order by yourself we have kiosks we're going to make better kiosks we're excited <laughs> about that's the what are some of the, it's, it's the a, again, that this, this is a work in progress yeah. and, and i'm glad that you're saying that because again it still feels like like my woman issue because it's such an it's a capital intensive industry i mean for whatever reason it just is that's another issue but it's a capital intensive industry so a certain population is able to access money to get into this and then they're maybe pushing their ideas down as opposed to letting the consumers who again this is a caregiving plant this industry should look like her and you are doing that by saying we're taking care of the consumer first so that's a nice motto and that, and that goes in the, i come from a long customer service background and customer service really comes down to having good teams mm-hmm. it is not about training people to be customer service people it's about creating an environment that people like to work in mm-hmm. if you want to be here chances are you're going to speak to somebody who is coming in here like in a good mood um so we've really put a lot of effort into our just our culture so in many ways the store the design the shelf merchandising the ipad it all really comes down to the people executing it and so building our team was incredibly important to us and it's not easy thing to do but you know i'd say our biggest strongest strength is that these folks in there do an incredible job of interacting with our customers and it's because i think they want to be here i think they like being here and they're enthusiastic and they they do share stories i mean i've been here i'm a customer here so i know that they share stories which makes you feel more comfortable and I, i think to think about a struggle of operation it's it's the integration of technology into the customer uh, experience, I think, is one of the biggest struggles right now in cannabis, that we have a lot of different compliance systems that need to speak to each other. And mm-hmm. our website, our, we can't process payments online. If we could do that, it would be easier to mirror the... Banking uh, people. It's a yeah, cash industry. Exactly. <laughs> so that, you know, when I think about the ways that we can enhance the customer experience and, and make it better for each time you walk in here, the more technology that we can implement, I think, will be paramount to our success moving forward for the, the entire industry. We, we need to make it more seamless to order the marijuana, to get the order into fulfill, a fulfillment style right. that can quickly and efficiently service customers. But again, these industries are being built in this very strange atmosphere where if they can succeed here, we didn't even get to marketing and all these things. But I do think, again, because you are forced to do things differently... You are forced. You are forced to do things differently. Oh, you got to okay. say hi to one of our staff. Hey, Natalie. Come in, Natalie. <laughs> there are people who work here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they're, they're young. They're enthusiastic. They have their own stories. They're sharing. All right. Yeah, so we, is, here's Natalie. She's, hi, Natalie. Uh, she's one of our OGs. She's like, <laughs> I don't know. Can you? You want to go over to Dave's? Yeah, come here. You might have to hand her this mic. Uh, <laughs> Natalie, nice to meet you. So, how long have you been working here? Since we've opened. And now you're a Somerville native? Are you from yes, the area? Yes, Somerville all my life. Okay. And did you ever imagine that this would be the kind of 
work you be doing? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's honestly great. It's been going well. We have amazing upper management here. We did not plan this. So, are you, so again, like again, women like me, are they coming in? Are they talking to you? What are you saying oh. that people are asking for when they're coming in here? Always like the best product for sleep, best mm-hmm. product Peace for sleep, pain. Right. Yep. Just a yummy, tasty. What's great? And what's when, and when, get when me people nice. are coming back, what are they saying to you? They saying, "I never, I haven't slept through the night in a while." Like, yeah. are you getting those kind of reports back? Or like they can't just stay asleep, or they can't just the melatonin's not helping. Right. So we always try to do alternatives with them, either with CBD products or mm-hmm. CBN, which yeah. is that's nice. So you can again. So again. The bud tender, a lot of times, is your person who is like giving you some advice that your doctor can't give you. So the more information that you have about how these things work together, they they can layer them. You can work, yeah. you know, a lot of CBD. It's very important. You can work it with your THC product, we, so you can get bro- that information. Yeah, we brought in all of our product vendors to train the staff prior to opening. Oh, smart. Okay, and yes. again, there's a lot of products out there, and to understand specifically how these different things are supposed to be working with different individuals it's a very important this is a very personalized medicine and so what are you hearing when people are coming back what are they saying to you and are they oh that yeah. they're just like amazing with the products that it works that's always like the positive feedback and sometimes the product doesn't work and they're always like what's another alternative okay, they're okay. always open to Curious, trying okay. new things and then they bring in their friends after they realize oh yes oh. we have actually family <laughs> members coming in all as in a group and it's an amazing time just getting to meet everyone that like lives upstairs or like down the street they're like oh my god this is super convenient we would travel <laughs> far and yeah so we got the regulars i mean we we have a relationship with our consumers and it's really great to see and i think that that's something that a lot of shops are missing because it's such a sterile environment. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Louise who comes in every Monday. Oh my God, Miss Louise! A handful of joints from us without fail every single Monday. Well, maybe, wait, 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 I think a sitcom should happen here. Oh, thank you for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me. <laughs> a real person who works at this who's oh, saying good things. You should do an episode with several of the the lady the female staff members. They they're. They're amazing. That's well, the, the, the soul of our business. The, the, yeah. the, this should be our industry. All right, so I got like two and a half minutes left. Let's see. We could talk for hours. I know. We, we are going to talk again. But okay, so all right, let's just small one. How do you see the next five years of candid retail evolving? Like, where do you see? Do you see we're going to have like actual credit cards? Do you think it's going to be not so draconian when you walk in? Do you see any of this policy stuff changing? I'm interested in his answers. <laughs> or do you see like new products coming out? Like I've talked to people about who are making products. Beverages now, kind of a big industry. Maybe beverages that feel more like alcoholic beverages but have the THC. Are you seeing any of this coming down the line? Yeah, the, the the beverages with alcohol, uh, with that mimic alcohol, mimic alcohol yeah. um, are going to happen. I think social consumption is oh, going consumption to, lounge, yeah. to begin to come to prominence. I think the, there's a movement regarding alcohol that I think will be very beneficial to the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. To say in five years we'll be able to take credit cards is a... I have no idea. It's really... We'll, we'll see as more states come online for adult use... And I mean, do you see this? Like, it's like a movement. Like, I talk about the cannabis. So coming in from the periphery, and it's kind of infiltrating. And it's like we all have very strong ties. Like the women who are healing themselves and healing their children have very strong ties, and they're moving in and moving in. And at some point, the politicians who are followers are going to have to get on board and understand what's going on. Yeah, and it, it needs yeah. to be the right politicians. Yeah, the right and politicians. I yeah. think that. Um, and who's whispering in their ears and who's explaining to them what should be happening? Again, I think I think I think that the thing that would be really helpful is a realistic picture into how these businesses are set up and how they operate in mm-hmm. reality and not practice <laughs> to understand that the licensing the delays in social equity eat up a lot of the equity mm-hmm. and yep. 
you know that uh, that's that's the message that really needs to get out there. If we're yeah. going to do this thing, we got to do it right. right. Um, if we're going to build small businesses that are going to create generational wealth and improve oh, neighborhoods, we, this well, is I, where it, we have to stop thinking everything that benefits big industry is good for I, us. I, I we're smaller. We're a smaller industry. We have yeah. different things that we need. Generational wealth yeah. is something that I think I wish that we could kind of move away from. Is it? Generational wealth, everybody thinks millions on millions of dollars. We can set up some great businesses that that liquor store around the corner from it, us has been operating for 50 years. A family asset. Absolutely. That that we need to think about the long game in this. Right. And that, but that if we don't make some changes in the near term, the people that we set out to help are the ones that are going to be failed. Right. Yeah. Well, that's just America, but there yeah. we are. That's a whole other story. All right. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and my, and my big thing is, is just that trying to force legalization down the throat of these states that seem very obviously to not want it, and that's too bad for them. I think descheduling cannabis makes the most sense. The fact that cannabis is a Schedule One drug is insane. Deschedule or bust. Deschedule or bust. And frankly, descheduling is the lowest hanging fruit from a, from a regulatory standpoint. So yep. that I would see hopefully as being the future of cannabis in the next two to three years. In four to five, I think, is what you see is you're just going to see a normalization of this business that we will be thought of just like every other business on Main Street, no different than... And I even I even hesitate to say an alcohol store because I just think we are nowhere nowhere as dangerous as that particular... We're more like, a, C- we're more like a CBS. So, yes. CBS. Uh, I, I, my particular thing, and Chris has heard this many times, I think cannabis is closer to coffee than it is to alcohol. Mm. I don't think it's the same thing as coffee, but I think on the spectrum of yeah. like, these things that affect us, I think... It's much more close to coffee. And so yeah. I think of these things as really as just great high-end coffee shops that are a lot like maybe a great like a great makeup store or a great or a great gourmet food store. Yep. Um, but they need to be, you know, the administration and the regulation needs to stay in place. I mean, these it is a substance that needs to be controlled. It, I, I'm yeah. a mom. I like boundaries and rules. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, boundaries. Great. Uh, great boundaries boundaries and rules. But again, it doesn't have to be plutonium and yeah. we should have better access to it. But if anyone can make it in this crazy, crazy world where you have to like make everything up as you're going along, this is going to be amazing when we actually just normalize it because that's what the moms are doing and crushing the stigma. All right. Anything coming up? This is actually going to be aired in May, but what's coming up in May? <laughs> We'll have a new window always up, a new community organization that we're going to work with. That's the uh, the Somerville Bike Cafe, which is a really cool okay. company to fix your bike for free oh, nice. that they have here in Somerville. It's been up, we're so uh, much more biking now in this world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially with our mobility. So yep. that will be one of the organizations we work with there. And then for us, it's just this constantly putting programming through this room, through this dispensary, uh, sponsoring a lot of things, but always just working towards the goal of being a very successful dispensary and keeping our staff and our customers happy. That's really We don't look much further than... Can we make this a great place to work? Can we make this a great place to come into? Right. If we do those things, I think the rest of it will come. And keeping it local and doing your thing. So thank you. Sorry, can I take a moment? Oh, sure. To just thank Canamom, oh. uh, who Absolutely. was here day one. Yeah, you were. No, no, actually, so the truth is, so I, this dispensary looks like the Goodwill. Like, I thought this was a Goodwill. <laughs> oh, that's so, a story yeah. for another podcast. But anyway, so my, it was podcast. over Thanksgiving, and my son was home, and he came home. He's like, Mom! There's a new dispensary. I'm like, no, it's a Goodwill. He's like, no, it's a dispensary. So I came right in because that's the way I am. <laughs> yeah, but it really has been the beginning. You were very supportive from the beginning, and you started bringing your friends by. And oh, yeah. So you, yeah. We just thank, want you. To thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for letting me do this live. First time I got to see Dave in like two or three years, so this is good. Hey, let's right. do it again. <laughs> yeah, let's do it again. Let us do it again. All right, so that is another show right here at The Goods in Somerville, Massachusetts. My friends Alex and Chris, and of course, my David bro, my Canna bro, and the Canna Mom Show team. 
I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cannabis Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together, and the men, and the men, so together we can cross the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is The Cannabis Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.